Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Head on over to the website and check us out. And don't forget to join the Travel Club. I really hope that you come and travel with us. So many of you do. And we want to keep adding to the folks who are traveling with us and having such a wonderful time. You know, coming up this year, we have our anniversary cruise that is coming up July 28th through August 6th. And guess what? We have a couple of cabins left. So check out the website. And if you still have some time in your calendar, you want to join us. We're going to have a fabulous time. Only 17 cabins on board We're doing a Croatia cruise, cruising from Split to Dubrovnik, all ours, yacht, fabulous time, upscale all the way. (laughs) Also going to Greece, September 1st through the 9th, and South Africa, September 26th through October 6th, September 26th through October 6th, going back to South Africa. Johannesburg, Cape Town, the Joy of Jazz Festival that's in Johannesburg. And then also, we, of course, we're going to go on safari. And 2024 is shaping up. So you want to add some of those destinations to your list as well. Japan, Peru. We're going to Belize this November. Sorry to skip ahead to 2024, but November 23, this will be the 8th through the 16th of November, a jungle and island experience. Pause and play. You know, you have to hit that pause button sometimes on your life. And we're going to do a little bit of that. And of course, we're going to do a little bit of play too. So again, going to Belize, that's going to be a fantastic experience as well. The website, travelingculturati.com, and you can check it all out there. (laughs) So we'd like to hear from you. Today, healthcare professional Yolanda Como has returned with another installment of Staying Healthy While You Travel. This week, she brings us information and tips on self-care. We all need a little bit of self-care. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves to do that when we travel because we're so fixated on that schedule and seeing and doing everything. So this way, we make sure that we add a little bit of that self-care so that we do come back with some R&R, that we've had some rest and relaxation and we've taken care of ourselves on our last trip. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and, of course, the Culture Report. But right now, I've got a little travel news. Say it isn't so. Guess what? American Airlines is ending their free bag check on international flights. Yeah, it's on the basic economy. So yeah, no, it's not on every fare item. But if you're looking for the budget conscious fare and you want to go to basic economy, then you're going to have to pay $75 for the first checked bag and $100 for the second checked bag, and $200 if you're gonna check a third bag. Well, I don't know who you are if you're checking a third bag. I just don't know who you are unless you've bought a whole bunch of stuff. Hopefully you're not in that category, but yes, these fees will apply per person each way, even if you purchase an upgrade that includes free checked bags. So if you bought basic economy and you later decided that you wanted to upgrade, guess what? You still have to pay for those checked bag fees because it's going to be based on you originally signing up for basic economy. Now, American's partner, British Airways, also no longer allows a free bag in basic economy. And check out some of the code sharing flights. For example, cutter flights on American Airlines will not help either. Cutter's website notes that if there's a code share or interline flight of an itinerary, if it begins or ends in the USA or Canada, baggage allowances applicable at the itinerary's origin will apply throughout. So far, United and Delta have not changed their policies and still offer one free checked bag on international flights, regardless of the airfare that you buy. Remember, we've been talking since 2022, revenge travel. 
everyone's getting back at travel because of the pandemic and the hiatus that we had to take on travel. Yes, I still don't understand the whole revenge terminology, but I'll bite. Revenge travel. Well, it soared and pushed prices really high, especially this summer. But we're going to start to see a little reprieve because it has peaked and the trend is now turning down for several reasons. One, there's inflation. And the other reason is that people aren't spending as much. All those who had the revenge, (laughs) the rest of the folks who aren't so vengeful on their travel, it has basically slowed the pace. So everything is kind of balancing and leveling out. So we should start to see some of the airfares come down a little bit. Maybe not in the thick of the summer season this year, but we'll start to see it, especially toward the end of the summer and then also in the fall. Accessible advocates are fighting for new rules that would ease air travel for passengers needing extra assistance, especially those requiring wheelchairs who currently aren't allowed to sit in their own chair during flights. So the issue here is that those individuals who are in their wheelchair and really want to be able to sit in their own chair on board the flight And considering this, airlines have mishandled 871 wheelchairs and scooters in January 2023 alone. And this is according to data from the Department of Transportation. And that equates to 1.6 for every 100, which they are entrusted with. Because if someone is in a wheelchair, they are not allowed to take that wheelchair on board and sit in that wheelchair during the flight. They have to get on the aircraft and sit in one of the airline seats, which means they have to check their wheelchair. And consider if you rely on your wheelchair, it is your legs and something is damaged. So when you arrive at your destination and you're reunited with your wheelchair and it is broken, let's say a wheel or something like that, how are you going to get around? So this is part of the advocacy for accessibility. And airlines are saying, well, how are we going to accomplish that? We'd have to make seats available. And then how do we retrofit? It's an engineering or technical feat for us to be able to do it. Plus, it means we have to remove airline seats in order to accommodate. But several folks, including Delta, for example, are saying it's possible. Delta's Tech Ops, a Delta Airlines subsidiary that works on aircraft interiors and in-flight entertainment systems, recently unveiled a wheelchair-friendly prototype seat. The patented design offers comfort and safety for all passengers providing access to headrests, center console tray tables, and cocktail table that can adjust to serve passengers with wheelchairs in place. The product also enables airlines to retain the design of their cabin on every seat. And the airline says they're also working on other ways to improve disabled passengers' experiences, including through better training, investing in new mobility equipment, and a lot more. Others are saying if wheelchairs can roll onto buses, trains, and or baseball games, then should airlines be any different? So I'm sure there's a debate out there. And if you're in a wheelchair and you have some thought about it or not, and you have some thoughts about it, let me know how you feel about that. Did you think that it's something simple that the airline can do, will do, because it is going to require some retrofitting. And just kind of think of someone who is in a wheelchair, let's say with muscular dystrophy. Their wheelchair can cost $70,000 or more and you want to check it with the airline. So just some food for thought. Let me know. The Summer Olympics is coming up in Paris 2024 next year, right around the corner, really. And Paris is deciding to clean the Seine River so that you can swim in it. And particularly for the Summer Olympics so that they can resuscitate the Seine and showcase it during the game's opening ceremony which for the first time will take place outside a stadium and we'll see a flotilla of boats parade of athletes through the capital along the famous waterway. It will also serve as a venue for some of the swimming competitions, two long distance races and a water portion of the triathlon. And from there, the city hopes to keep the river clean enough for locals and visitors 
to swim in it. Well, it's not the first time that folks have tried to clean the Seine River unsuccessfully in the past. And actually, since 1923, it has been banned for swimming due to river traffic and pollution. So let's see how that pans out. One of the things that's already happening with their efforts is that they're seeing more fish in the Seine River. At one point, there were only three species of fish left in the river, and now there are 30 species that are in the river. So they're well on their way to cleaning up the Seine. Let's see how it plays out and whether or not there will be swimming in the river for the 2024 Olympics. Now, Amtrak is getting some faster trains. Yes, new speeds on Amtrak's trains. Right now, we're talking about Chicago to St. Louis, the corridor. It's actually called the Chicago to St. Louis corridor. Amtrak has announced its trains will go faster along this route, and the new speeds will reach up to 110 miles per hour, up from the previous 90 miles per hour. And those who travel it by road, it would shave off a tremendous amount of time. Three hours from Chicago to Springfield and end-to-end St. Louis to Chicago schedules for under five hours. Some Amtrak trains will begin traveling at the increased speed as soon as June 26th. And let's hope that that will then carry over to some other tracks and corridors so that we can have high-speed rail in more parts of the United States. We do have it in certain sectors, but hopefully we'll see that expand and see it more across the entire system. The project has also involved major safety upgrades at 212 grade crossings to install special gates and other equipment to help prevent collisions with vehicles on the tracks and pedestrian accidents. There's also 39 crossings deemed at risk that were permanently closed. So things are really looking up for Amtrak, higher speeds and better conditions. Looking forward to that. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, we have Yolanda Como, our healthcare professional with another installment of staying healthy while you travel and tips on ensuring a little self-care on your next trip. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com. And while you're there, follow us on social media. And don't forget to join that travel club. We go to some fantastic places and we're always open to having fellow travel culturati join us. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. In the vein of today's topic, self-care, I want to share something with you that I normally do that kind of follows that line of self-care, especially coming off of a long-haul flight. I like to contact the hotel in advance, the spa there, and make an appointment for myself after my arrival and getting checked in. That's a way that I can help my body recover from that long flight of being cramped in small places. You can tell your massage therapist that this is from a long haul flight and they'll know exactly what treatment to get you and that you want a little rest and relaxation as well. I know it really helps me unwind. It also gets my blood circulating a little bit, but it helps me sleep better through the night. This is Javon and that was your Travel Minute. Well, as I said, today's topic is about self-care. And you know, we often think of travel itself as a tool for self-care. But how do we maintain and practice self-care while we travel? Well, healthcare professional Yolanda Como is back with another installment of Staying Healthy While You Travel, which means we're tackling self-care while we travel. Hey, Yolanda, and welcome back. Hello, Javon. How are you? I'm glad to be back. Uh, fantastic. It's always good to have you here because 
you know, we need those reminders of staying healthy, especially while we travel, because we don't realize how much it takes out of us. It takes a lot out of us. And that's what we're going to be talking about. How much does it take out of us and what we can do to recoup and get our energy back and feel good about ourselves. Absolutely. Traveling has a way of disrupting our normal routine of things. We experience jet lag. We're traveling across time zones and we're trying new foods. We're all excited about those things, but it gets in the way of our basic self-care practices. And self-care is the foundation of good mental health and physical health for our minds and our bodies to be in good shape. Well, you are certainly absolutely right about that. So where do we start in our journey of self-care while we travel? So one of the best ways, Javon, that I think anyway, practice self-care while you're traveling, you should try and capture the time, your thoughts at the end of the day. I mean, you go through a day of touring and doing a lot of different things. And a lot of times you want to sit down, you want to collect your thoughts. And the best way to do that can come to a form of a travel journal. I don't know about you, but do you journal when you're traveling? I have so many journals, but they're not full. There's just a few pages I've written in on one trip and a few pages I've written in on another journal. I guess if I put them all together, I have a full journal. I'll be honest with you. Journaling is not cathartic for me, so I don't. But it is cathartic for a lot of people. But I do take some time to collect my thoughts and kind of run through in my mind the things that I've done for the day. So I don't always just put pen to paper unless, of course, I'm working and then I'm doing something for the show. And then, of course, I make those notes just because it's fresh in my head. And that gives me a sense that I've done that and I'm prepared for the next day as well. So for a lot of people, journaling is an excellent tool. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it because I can go back and look at it and see what I've written. And it kind of reminds me of my travel memories. What exactly did I do? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, that was pretty good. That was fun. That was a fun day. It was a tiresome day. It was a long tour. And I do this well after I've traveled. Yeah. When I'm at home, I'll just go back and read on them. Yeah, I do it verbally. And I think it's also a good time to go through those photos that you have. Because sometimes we forget what we took pictures of. (laughs) So it's good to kind of go through those photos. And you can really use your itinerary too, to help you with that journaling to remember what you did looking at your photos, and then recapturing your feelings about the things that you did. So what about physical routine? What is the importance of physical and what we can do and how we can maintain it? So it's hard to practice good self-care when you're traveling unless you take care of your body first. That means get some exercise. I don't know if you routinely exercise when you're at home, but with me, exercising, walking is a good tool when you're traveling because you're doing a lot of tours, you're doing a lot of walking, you're going from one site to another site, but you can hit the gym. And if you're in a hotel that has a full gym, Try and get down there and get some exercise and get your 30 minutes of exercise a day or every other day in. You can take a jog. You can take a walk around the property of the hotel, the resort. It's very important for your health and well-being to do so. It really is. And, you know, even if you can't get out, let's say the hotel is not in an ideal area to go out. Maybe it's secluded or something like that. Or maybe even it doesn't have a gym. A lot of hotels, their TV channel will have some workouts that you can do. Or if you have an app that you can use, or if you have a routine that you're doing at home, you can make notes of that or upload it to your own smartphone or tablet or something and do those workouts in your hotel room. But just remember to bring a nice pair of comfortable walking shoes. Very important. Workout shoes. Very important because that support, especially when you get a certain age. I've now had to put orthopedics in my walking shoes. (laughs) Dare I say I have to do it, but yes, I've joined that club. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been doing it for a while, but yeah. Okay. And it helps with your posture. You need it. And those of you who are of the age we're talking about, or if you have some other things that you're dealing with, you understand the importance of orthopedics. But what are some other ways we can practice self-care and relax? There's nothing like some pampering for yourself, practicing self-care when you're traveling You should book hotels that gives you a full array of amenities of spas and restaurants because who doesn't like facials, massages, body wraps, mineral wraps? But the trick is 
keep it within your budget because it can add up. So five-star, four-star hotels, a lot of them will offer full array of spa treatments and spa services, as Javon has mentioned on the opening of this program. Look into it first, and as soon as you get to the hotel, book something for when you have an easy day and not a lot of touring or activities so you can have a comfortable day of spa treatment days. For me, there are certain creature comforts that I have to have at a hotel. And here's the way I look at it. I really want a hotel. Of course, we all want to save money and a budget, but I really look at a hotel as that home away from home for me. So I really want something that I'm going to feel good about coming back to. And I want those creature comforts that I can easily go to. And so having a spa is one of those things. But I will tell you that if a hotel doesn't have a spa, check with the concierge because a lot of massage therapists work on the go. And so they may know of someone who can come to the hotel, or there may be one that they're connected with, whether it's a fitness center or a spa that's nearby. There's one thing that I did do. I remember when I was in Japan, we did so much when we were in Japan, the rooms that we had at the hotels, they were gorgeous rooms. They were so comfortable. And I wasn't spending a lot of time there. One day we had a lot of time to ourselves and I just literally stayed in the room and enjoyed the room. The bathtub was a soaking tub, and they had a bunch of amenities in the bathroom where you can have a bath soak. It was just wonderful. I'd spent the entire afternoon in the room. It makes a huge difference. And sometimes the extra money that you spend for something like that is worth it because you're not spending the money elsewhere or you're not having to transfer to another place to get something like that done. And being able to just walk to it is a whole lot easier. You have it right there at your fingertips. So what are some other ways that we can practice self-care and relaxation? If you're with a group, for instance, you may want to get away from the group for a few hours and just have some me time alone. Some light reading, complete a couple of chapters in the book that you brought along on the trip and you never was able to finish like on the plane or even at home. Go in the corner, go in easy, comfortable space and just do some light reading. Take a nap. <laughs> if you're on a beach or your hotel's on the beach or you're near a beach, you can just go and relax on the beach and take your book with you and just relax. Just a few hours for me time. I don't think we talk about naps enough. I think that, yeah. of course, they're kind of gone after kindergarten. But <laughs> you think about cultures that have those siestas or those breaks in the day are very important, especially if you also want to have some nightlife. But there's nothing wrong with taking that nap or that break in the middle of the day so that yeah. you're just not go, go, go. It's that reminder to just relax a little bit. And whether it's with a coffee or a tea or you just want to sit and watch the day go by, whatever it is, to just that midday break. And if you can have a nap, <laughs> even better. Well, when we're traveling and we seem like we just want to get it all in and we don't want to miss something. So we're not like putting that time aside to take a nap or to lie on the beach for the afternoon or for the day and realizing that can help relax you a little bit more. And it actually gives you more energy so you can be ready for the next tour day. Yeah. And day of funs and activities. Yeah, it really does. Now, you also say that staying hydrated is a form of self-care. How so? Oh, yeah. Being hydrated is extremely important for self-care. Drinking enough water while you're traveling sounds basic, but it really does matter. Traveling, especially on flights, can incredibly dehydrate the body. So you should consider guzzling it down, taking all the fluids that you can while you're flying. And also think about those drinks with electrolytes, because while you're dehydrated, those need to be replenished as well. And that's what gives you energy. That's what gives you the stamina to get up and go when you're hydrated enough. Yeah, I mean, we often think of those things for athletes because we know how much stress and pressure and activity they have and what they put on their bodies and what they may lose in all of this exertion. But we lose a lot of that too, just even with regular exertion. So yeah, it's very important. So what is the importance of familiarity? So first of all, there's a lot of excitement when you're planning your trip. A lot of excitement, but there's also great anxiety when you're going on your trip. Are you going to make your flight? Are you going to be sitting on the plane next to strangers? There's nothing that's going to be familiar to you, so it can cause you a lot of great anxiety. If you bring along like those little snacks, 
that you love that can give you some array of comfort. Bring along a book that you borrowed from a friend from home. That also gives you comfort reading something and thinking about a friend at home or your family member. So you have to just think about, you know, you in the present and family members. Or I mean, I know you're trying to get away, but you got to be around a lot of unfamiliar things when mm-hmm. you're traveling, especially if you're traveling abroad. You're not familiar with people and food and a lot of things. You're going to be anxious. So you want something to make you feel comfortable while you're away. Some people bring along the, uh, even a blanket from home, a small blanket. Yeah, you know, so. there are a lot of business people who travel a lot that have small children, and they bring something from their child oh. as that sense of comfort. Yeah, it helps relax you, especially when you're on the very long flights or when you're sleeping at night. You have that nice little blanket that you brought from home. So, yeah. Yeah, what are some of those other things about familiarity? What other things can you do? Tossing aside everything that you think that you should do on vacation, you shouldn't toss aside the things that you would do at home. People think, you know, I'm traveling, my routine is going to be off, but you still can do some things that you think you would like to do. I mean, just because you're traveling, you still can go shopping, you still can go to an open market, you still can go antique. I love antiquing. That's one thing that I do when I have free days on my travels. I try and do like open market shopping or, you know, just walking around, browsing. Go have teas, you know, plan a day of having high tea in the afternoon at a restaurant or even another hotel. If the hotel offers it, you can go and have high tea in the afternoon. Just sit and be in your thoughts. I love that idea. And I like the example that you gave. For example, if you do antiquing at home and you do open markets at home, find these things when you're traveling. That's a sense of familiarity, but you're finding it in a new place. And so just that discovery of it and seeing those open markets and what they're like in another place, but it's something that you still enjoy doing and it has that familiarity to you that this is what I like to do at home. I think that's an excellent idea. Now, what is the importance of being self-aware? How is self-aware part of self-care? Traveling, as you know, it can be very strenuous on your body and you should be aware of what you can tolerate. You should be aware of what your body can tolerate, what you can tolerate. I mean, you're already crammed on an airplane in a tight seat. You're suffering from jet lag when you arrive and you're walking miles and miles. If some of those airports, when you're going from baggage claim and then to your transportation, it can be probably, what, miles away. So you're doing a lot of walking and catching trams and stuff. So one thing you should do, take time to rest once you get to your hotel. You may want to take a nap, but I know if it's a different time zone, you probably shouldn't take a nap. But just remember, if you feel achy, do something less strenuous, especially if it's part of a tour. You probably want to skip that tour. I know you don't want to skip anything, but you should consider it. But you know what? Even if you don't go to sleep because you don't want to throw off your body clock, maybe you need to just rest the body, as you said, to stretch out because you haven't been able to stretch out because you've been on a flight and then you went to a car and you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. just to kind of stretch out. And that's why I like to book that massage because it really helps loosen up those muscles and a good massage therapist can really help get the blood flowing as well. And sometimes the rest you need is just to be able to stretch out. I know a lot of times, because I do travel with you a lot, and when we do reach our destination after traveling abroad, I notice, like, as a group, you know, now we have to all kind of go down to customs. So we're all kind of just going down to customs. And then we grab our luggage, and then we can get checked through the passport. And now we have to meet the tour guide to meet the bus. And by the time we get on the bus to get to the hotel, everybody's like just, I look at them, they're just so exhausted. <laughs> like, woo, we're, we're here. We're here, okay. <laughs> like, I don't want to move just yet, you know, at this yeah. moment. This little ride is going to be nice. So that's a little yeah. moment for everyone. Yeah, it is. Now, <laughs> how do we balance tasting the destination and eating healthy? That's a big one. Well, traveling and trying new foods, personally, I love it. Finding restaurants and local cuisines is one of the favorite things for me to do personally. So knowing that you can indulge in special meals and lots of treats. Hello, chocolate croissants in Paris. You know, these are the healthiest of things because you're probably going to overindulge. But you have to keep in mind you have to do a diet rich in fruits and vegetables still. I mean, what you would do at home, make good choices when you're traveling as well. One of the things I do is keep it up as far as 
trying to get those fresh fruits and vegetables. So I'm much more aware at breakfast, for example, I'll have that bowl of berries, I'll have the yogurt, I'll do those healthy things. I may have one breakfast where I want to get all those things that I love, like the bacon and (laughs) those things, but I don't do that every day. So I make sure that I mix it up with the fruits and vegetables. And then if I know I'm going to be overindulging some days, then I go light the next day or something like that. But it is hard and it is a balance that you have to strike, but just making sure that you are getting those fruits and vegetables in there. And like you said earlier, with the hydration. That's part of that healthy part. Yes. Remember your hydration. Remember your water. Alcohol is good. Try not to overindulge. I know you want to while you're traveling because you say this is a me time. I'm going to do this. But keep in mind, you got to stay hydrated because that's what's going to bring you down your body system. And you're not going to feel so great if you're not as hydrated. Now, I know you talked a little bit earlier about jet lag and listening to your body. But How do we talk about actually that rest and the effects of jet lag? Jet lag is detrimental to your sleep schedule. Once you arrive at your destination immediately, you should get yourself on the schedule of that time zone. Because if you don't, you're not going to be any good for the rest of the trip. And one of the ways that you can begin to do that once you get to your hotel, if you can, you should get out in the sun. Hopefully it's a sunny day. Take a short little walk. Get some vitamin D in with the sun. Try not to go up and take a nap. That's going to throw you way off and begin to start hydrating. Continue to start hydrating and filling yourself with electrolytes and water. Yeah. So if you're arriving in the early part of the day or middle of the day, then try to stay awake until it's time to go to bed and getting some fresh air will help with that. But certainly if you're arriving late at night, then you can go ahead and go to bed because you're on that time zone. Now, how do we get me time in a busy itinerary and travel schedule? So I travel, as you do, because of your tours, with a lot of groups. And it's important that you do some me time. You can step away from the group for an afternoon or for a few hours, even for the day, because sometimes you you have a free day. And go ahead and schedule the spa day. Some people like to travel. The last trip I went on, The last day, it was a free day, and a couple of the travelers, they were like, we're going into town, we're going to travel. And I'm not big on that myself, but I went. And you know what? I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I so enjoyed it. It was just me and two other individuals, and it was just a shopping time. So it was really good just to see what that area, what they're offering, what their offerings are. Mm -hmm. So that was really nice. And a little jog or a walk. Do tea time. I love doing high tea. You by yourself or you with another individual, I think that's a good way of having some me time as well. Yeah. And I think sometimes we have to schedule it. It may sound like it doesn't need to be spontaneous or anything like that. But I think sometimes if we don't put it on the schedule, it won't happen. So if we are aware of it, like from this hour to this hour or these two hours or three hours or half a day or whatever is me time. And it doesn't matter how you spend it. You know, if you want to just sleep in late, or like you said, if you want to go into town and do a little shopping without an agenda, that we're just going in town to see what's going on. That's part of me time. I do recall when I would meet up with some you know, travel groups from my friends on the trip and they would have been up early that morning. I just went down for breakfast. I'm like, oh, what did you do this morning? And they, oh, I got up early. I went to see the sunrise, went up on top of the hotel roof and we went and watched the sunrise or we went and took an early morning walk or something like that. I, thought yeah maybe I should start considering doing something like that and yeah they just went crazy about the sunrise so yeah that's a nice little me moment too yeah and I think me that me moment. time or doing something like that is cathartic for so many reasons seeing the sunrise having that kind of solitude it's almost meditative yes meditating it's going to really relax you you know you can take a little time in the mornings or even at night just when you're winding down Just to meditate a little bit. Think about your day. Think about you. Think about being present in the moment. And that's going to give you a great outlook and be ready for the next day. Stretching helps prior to meditating or you can stretch while you're meditating. Morning yoga. You know, some hotels offer free yogas in the morning. Mm -hmm. Sometimes super early too in the morning. So if you're a morning person, You can go down for the 6.30 a.m. or the 7.30 a.m. yoga just before breakfast. And I I think that's a really, really good treat that hotels offer now. 
It really is. You know, I came across this, not an app specifically for this, but this app that I use for exercise. But one of the things they put in is breathing. And it's a countdown clock. It's like breathe in and breathe out. And that in itself just makes you kind of stop and focus on your breathing was very calming too. I think what's important is for you not to get out of your routine. People think they need to totally get out of their routine when they're traveling. And you really don't. I mean, you can continue to do the things that you would do daily at home. Like I said, the exercising, the relaxing, meditating, your yoga, just step away, do a quick walk, a brisk walk on the grounds of the hotel Mm -hmm. or the resort. Now, so many of us have to-do lists and I don't live without them. To be honest with you, my day has to have a to-do list. But you say we should have or make a don't do list when we're traveling. Why is that important and what should be on it? Well, why is it important? Because you don't want to make the same mistakes that you made or do things that you did not enjoy from your last trip. Mm. So remember what you did. If you remember the things or write them down, the things that you did enjoy on a previous trip, you may want to find the same things to do on the next trip or even better. You know, you can kick it up a notch, write down the things that didn't work for you. Mm. Okay. Like you took a hike last time and there was a bear. (laughs) I'm like with these bear thing right now. And you don't want to do that for the next trip. If that's something that you want to avoid. Or you booked a connection too tight Mm. or you overpacked. Right. All of these things that add stress to your travel. Overpacking is one of them. So don't overpack. Don't book flights with too tight of connections because you know if that's going to create stress. If there's a delay or anything like that, or you're stressing, I hope I make the flight. I hope I make the flight. All of those things. Or don't book a hotel too far away from the city because it just wasn't logistically proper for me. For instance, if I know I'm traveling abroad, I don't travel from the city I'm leaving my home to catch a connecting flight for my abroad trip. I stay overnight the day before. You say here, give back to the local community. How do we do that and make that part of self-care? Well, first of all, it's going to rejuvenate you to give back and always try to give. But in my line of work, I have colleagues and stuff who travel and they travel on their own. It's their vacation. But they feel good when they get to a destination and they make arrangements where they can do blood pressures Mm -hmm. for the day or the afternoon in the community. So they sort of do their homework before they leave and find if it's a good idea to give back in that way. And that makes them feel wonderful and rejuvenate them for their travels. Well, yeah, I mean, giving back is as much about you as it is about the receiver. It's cathartic for the giver. And it does make us feel good that we've helped someone out. And then it helps the receiver as well. So I can certainly see how that could be a big part of self-care. And one thing that I have done in the past, you know, I have a whole drawer. You know how you collect T-shirts? I have a drawer of things like that that I've never worn. Even at home, not even in my travel that I haven't worn. So I'll pack them up. And depending on where I'm going, I would give them away. Yeah. Like, and sometimes like the people in the community, they would ask, do you have blah, blah, blah. And they want something with American logos and stuff on them. Yeah, it's so a great idea. If I have them, I just give it to them, especially if I no longer can wear them or no longer need them or want yeah, it. Yeah, it's so. a great idea. And it helps you declutter your home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It helps me purge. It does. Yeah. Well, Yolanda, thank you so much for joining us today and some wonderful tips and information on self-care while we travel. Well, thank you. When I come back, I have the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website. It's TravelingCulturati.com. And make sure you travel with us. Sign up for the Travel Club because we go to some fantastic places. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, food, music, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. And it is one of my favorite things to not only talk about, but 
to consume as well. <laughs> I have the honor and pleasure of speaking with Vivian Kleinhans, who is a pioneer for Black wine industry, while equally being a groundbreaker for women-owned businesses in her native South Africa as a self-taught wine entrepreneur and founder of Seven Sisters Winery. Hello, Vivian, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hello, Javon. Thank you for having me on your radio station. Seven Sisters Wine Estate. How did it get the name? So I would always start off by saying that I did not start my wine business or my wine brand because of a love of wine. I started it because I wanted to change the destiny for my family. So you know the history of South Africa. Black people were not allowed to have land, be in the wine industry, own vineyards or a wine cellar before 1994, before we became a liberated democratic country when Nelson Mandela became president of South Africa. So after 1994, it took a few years, uh, seven to nine years, to rewrite or to add policies to include people of color into this very white male-dominated industry in the wine industry. So I founded myself at a roadshow where the Minister of Agriculture and Rural Development and Land Reform had a workshop and she urged people of color to venture into the higher value chain of the wine industry. Now, at the time, I was just attending a workshop. I did not know anything about the wine industry. And I became interested when I did some research and I saw it was a $3 billion US dollar export industry and a few million South African revenue industry. It also provided employment to 9% of South Africans' population of color. Starting the higher value uh, chain of this wine industry meant that we as people of color who did not own land or vineyards or a wine cellar or a winery before 1994, we had to find a partner. In the beginning, it was really a very hostile industry. You know, white people thought that we were coming to vandalize the wine industry and they would really not be happy to accept us as people of color into this very white male-dominated industry. So we ran into various stop streets and hurdles and bumps and challenges. And every day was just a, another fire to put out. But it got to a stage where I went for my very first wine exhibition in Johannesburg of South Africa, in Soweto. And at that exhibition, I met this African-American lady and she was quite interested in how is it possible that in the town that Nelson Mandela grew up, there's this winery, she thought, or I'd say to her, no, it's just a wine exhibition. Well, lo and behold, she called her husband. She was working at the time for Procter & Gamble as a sales and marketing person. And she said to us, I found a business for us. And that was in 2006. Selena from Heritage Link Brands became the largest importer of indigenous wines from South Africa. So it took us about a year to get the paperwork done and ready. And in 2007, my first container of Seven Sisters wines shipped to America. You said that there are different wines named after the different sisters and their personalities. Yes. Give me what <laughs> they are and what the personality is and how it matches to the wine. Well, I must just also just add this, that while we were selling our wines in America, it was very popular and we had like our brand label was very colorful and it really went very well until a client asked us to change the label to a more global looking label. And then we had to remove the names from the bottles. But for instance, the Moscato was named after Odelia. So the Moscato is a sweet 40 grams of sugar. It's a sweet wine and it has a first like with a sparkling personality and Odelia is the youngest one. And she has got that sparkly 
personality. And then we have the Shannon Blanc. Shannon Blanc is slightly serious. It's named after Lutuina, and we shortened it to Tuina to have it easier. And Tuina has got a slight serious side to her, but also very funky. She is a chairperson of a union, so she's almost like a lawyer, but she's also a fun person. Then we have this Chardonnay named after Yolanda. The Chardonnay is 20% of our Chardonnay is hooded, so it borders now onto a more structured wine, but not full oak wood characters. So she's younger than me. Yolanda's two years younger than me. So it's still a very elegant, easy drinking wine. I must also add that the Seven Sisters wines are all easy drinking, early drinking wine styles because we focused on millennials. We focus on new wine drinkers, people that will not be traditional and just go for the traditional labels or packaging and wine styles. Then we get to Vivian, myself. I was labeled the Sauvignon Blanc because I can be very serious about life and very serious about professionalism and it's in my business and making it in life and standing out and be different. I'm not a status quo person. I challenge and I transform and that's why I've been part of the pioneers of the black wine industry and we were a few women who really pushed for transformation in the wine industry. So that is my character. And then this wine also, the Sauvignon Blanc, was selected in 2009 to be served at American Airlines first in business class. And then we get to the older sisters. So Dawn is then two years older than me. Her wine is the Pinotage. At the time when it was selling in, in the U.S., we had a blend Pinotage series. And she really has got characteristics of my mom and dad, but then also her own. She's a full-of-nonsense person, so not easy to work with. And then June, June is the Merlot. June is very smooth. June herself is a very smooth person. She would make me, at a very busy day, come and see her quickly, and then she would ask me to make a bed for her. Without me thinking, I have a lot of work to do, and cooking for my family here, I'm cleaning my sister's bedroom and making a bed. That kind of smoothness, smooth talk. So as sisters, we always watch June when she speaks because you can find yourself cleaning windows without having discussed it beforehand that you're actually going to work today. <laughs> then it's the Cabernet Sauvignon, which is named after my oldest sister, Carol. Carol is now 64 years old. And... It's a full-bodied wine, still very, very fruity, lots of fruit flavors, lots of berries, red berries, and very caring person. Doors always open to everybody who walks in and putting down a plate of food. So that is Carol's personality. And then later on, we bottled the wine for my brother, which is called John Brutus. And then we have the Brutus Family Reserve Range, which is named after my family. The Seven Sisters Wines got to a stage where we really need a lot of land if we want to go the route of having a global product. And that is not possible where we find ourselves in the middle of the winelands, which is in Stellenbosch, and it's like the Napa Valley of America. So we do find our grapes from different blocks in different regions and maybe because we won't be able to grow our own grapes unless we have 100 acres of land that we could produce all of it the way we want it. Because now we're not only working with America, we're working with Europe, the UK and Asia. So... We select our grapes from different wards or regions. And even though it is still maybe a Chenin Blanc, then we blend it and we make our own recipe product. So we hire a large enough seller to make our wines. 
and then we have it made and from there some of it will come to warehouse on the farm in Stellenbosch or some will go straight to the airport to be shipped to the US and to other countries. Now, our products have been out of the US for quite a while. And as the two of us are speaking right now, we're signing up with an importer and soon by September, the wines will be in the US market again. And I believe it will start off with Louisiana. But yeah, like I said, we were in 42 states and we hope to cover those states again. And then I will be traveling to the US. I miss the states so much. Yeah. That's why I say <laughs> I really love my sisters and brothers. And when they come to South Africa, they will come to my farm and it is home for them. Absolutely. And we had such a wonderful time while we were there and we had lunch there. And it was just a nice afternoon to spend, to learn the story of Seven Sisters, to spend time on the property, to have lunch and just to really chill with some wine. It was a wonderful experience. Yes. And thank you Lovely. so much for joining me today. Lovely thank hearing you your time. story. So we can expect to hopefully by September to get Seven Sisters wines here in the United States once again. And otherwise, if you're visiting South Africa, you can certainly visit Seven Sisters Winery as well. What is yes, your website? Yes, do so. Yes, my website is sevensisters.co.za. Sevensisters.co.za. Again, thank you so much for joining yes. me today. Thank you, Javon. Keep well. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and